Romans chapter 8, we'll start reading in verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned to sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh. And I want you to highlight that in your minds, who walk not after the flesh, but walk after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God. That's why it is in enmity with God. Neither indeed can be, so then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. I want to preach for just a few minutes on the subject, are you walking in the spirit? I am looking at our lives, our church, our ministries, Everything that we do, all the hustle and bustle, all the obligations. And I hope that in the midst of all that, in the midst of what we have to do, what we need to do, and then not just our spiritual obligations, but our family obligations, our work obligations, our financial obligations. And by the end of the day, we're pretty much exhausted. There's very little time left for self or other thoughts. And one of the things, one of the first things that gets neglected is our walk with the Holy Spirit and too often we deceive our own selves because we're faithful to church and because we're faithful to ministry and because we are around other Christians we often convince ourselves that we're okay spiritually when there's no personal walk with the Holy Spirit. Now the Bible does tell us this. We know that at the moment of salvation the Holy Spirit indwells us. There's nothing better in the Christian life than having the Holy Spirit actively participating in your daily life. I love to hear his voice. I love to feel his presence. I love to know that he's guiding me. I love to sit in a service and hear him instruct me, in re rebuke me, exhort me. And you don't ever want to sit in a service. It's too easy to go uh, get to a place where you become spiritually cold and you're going through the motions and a large part of this is the direct result of our busyness that even Bible reading becomes simply a formality. We're not really concerned about a personal relationship. And it doesn't matter how much I preach in it. And probably now for six or eight months, this has been one of the themes that we've sat on. We've parked right here, and amazingly, despite having parked right here, if we went one by one and just examined the past eight days, I would still be very concerned. 
Because on a personal level, there's just not that individual time where we're sitting down. There's not a personal time. There's not family time where we're actually sitting down and making for sure. Now listen, when we talk about a daily walk, this is a daily battle. This, regrettably, is not a commitment. Don't you wish that the Christian life was that simple? You know, it's like salvation. We hope and wish that everything were like salvation, where you just come, you give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and you're saved, and that's good forever. And we, we wish that all the other decisions were that simple. We just come down and say, God, you know, I want to live in the Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to stay right with you. In Jesus' name, I'm making that commitment. Amen. And then for the rest of your life, you're just walking in the Spirit. You just wake up walking in the Spirit. You, you, you know, you get with your wife and you see people and you run your ministry. You're just in the Spirit. You're floating around in the Spirit. Life is not that simple. And every day, you've got to wake back up and determine today, once again, you've got to put your hands and your tongue and your mind and your ears and your feet and your motion, your direction, everything back on the altar and say, Holy Spirit, today, I want you today to guide me, to control me, to convict me. And if you don't do that, if you let it go, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to do a little self-examination on your walk tonight. Four questions, four basic questions. Are you right now, don't tell me about last month, last year, or even five days ago. Today, right now, how is your walk with the Holy Spirit? Now, what do we see? What are the basic characteristics when someone is walking with the Holy Spirit? Look what it said in chapter 9 of this book. Chapter 9, verse 1. I say in truth, this is Paul speaking, I lie not, my conscience also bearing me witness in the Holy Ghost, that I have a great heaviness. Now, I would imagine, so Paul, you're a missionary. You've been beaten. You've been thrown out of towns. You don't have the financial support you need. You struggle from day to day. You've often slept on the hard ground. You often don't know where you're going to get your next meal. You're sick a lot. Your health is shot. You're having eye problems. No wonder you're walking around with great heaviness. But hold on. That wasn't the cause of his great heaviness or his continual sorrow. Why is he continually sorrowful? Verse 3. I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. He said, my sorrow is this. If I had my way, I wish I could change spots with them. I wish I could give them my salvation and I would take their punishment. I wish I could trade places and give them the hope of eternal life. And I would go to hell and burn in the torments of hell for them if it were possible. You know the only one that can put that in your heart? The Holy Spirit. Now, when you are walking with the Holy Spirit, you're consumed with the lost and the thought of a lost and dying world and the salvation of souls. And when you're not, you're cold and you're calloused and you see men as nothing more than a traffic light a car on the road, and a house on the corner. Now, let me ask you right now, where are you at spiritually? How did you see men today? How did you look at a lost and dying world that may take their last breath and never again have another opportunity to hear the gospel of Christ? 
Because when you are in tune with the Holy Spirit, and you know this, because there have been moments in your life when you've been in tune with the Holy Spirit. You've been walking in the Spirit. And when you are walking in the Spirit, you have a burden for your family. You are a burden for your neighbors. You're a burden for a lost world. That's what getting close to the Holy Spirit, an active Holy Spirit in your life will get your focus not on your needs, not on your problems, not on your finances, not on traffic, but on a lost and dying world. Look what it says in chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire. Well, that could be a million things, Paul. You have absolutely no earthly possessions. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is this, that they might be saved. You know what the Holy Spirit does? When you are right with the Holy Spirit, when you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, when you are walking close to the Holy Spirit, He is going to put your focus, not on the problems at work, but on the lost that you work with. Your focus won't be on the problems in the neighborhood or your house payments, but the lost souls in the neighborhood. Your focus won't be on the other members and their shortcomings in the church, but the ministry opportunities that you have to serve and win the lost. When you're right with the Holy Spirit, you won't drive up to the parking lot, take three loops around the block saying there is no parking, I hate this situation, and you already walk in upset, and I had to walk from two blocks away, and no one shook my hand, and someone stole my hymn book, and someone sat in my seat, and you know what? You're walking in the flesh. When you're walking in the Spirit, you come in excited, even if you had to walk from the mall on Lamar. And you get in here and you see someone and you say, praise the Lord, there's someone here that hasn't heard the gospel and I know God can use me today, tonight, to get them the gospel. That's when you're walking in the Spirit. Do you remember the last time you felt that? Can, can you go back in your mind? Now, for some, it's not three days or five days or five weeks, regrettably. You'd have to go farther back than that. How far back do you have to go? Acts chapter 1. The promise of the Holy Spirit, the coming of the Holy Spirit. What did Christ say? Acts 1.8. Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. What is the first thing that will happen in your life when the Holy Spirit is filling you? Ye shall be what? Witnesses. Chapter 4, verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken. They were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what was the proof of their filling? They spake the word of God with boldness. You know what happens? When you're not walking in the Spirit, not only is soul winning a drudgery, but when you finally build up enough character and courage to do something and actually speak to someone, you carry a track you don't even have the boldness to leave a track on a counter. That's called a distance from the Holy Spirit. But when you are filled with the Spirit, suddenly you have a boldness not coming from your personality, not emanating from inside you, but you know this is not me. This is something supernatural that is happening inside of me and this is a reflection of the state of the church in 2013 that we have 
very few bold Christians because we have very few spirit-filled Christians. The majority tend to walk in the flesh more often than they walk in the spirit. What do you see in Acts? Spirit-filled Christianity. What is taking place? Acts chapter 8, verse 29. What does the spirit do in the life of the Christian? When Philip was walking in the spirit, verse 29, then the spirit said to Philip, go near, join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither, and you know the story. He led this man to Christ. Chapter 10, verse 19. Peter, in the spirit, walking in the spirit, verse 19, while Peter thought on the vision, the spirit said to him, Behold, three men seek thee, arise, therefore get thee down and go with them, doubting nothing, for I have sent them. And what happens? Cornelius and his family get born again. Here's what you'll see. When people read your Bibles, when people are walking in the Spirit, there's a boldness, a supernatural compassion and boldness that leads them to reach out to the lost. Now, here's my question. Are you walking in the Spirit? Are you living in a very small world consumed with your responsibilities? Number two, am I walking in the Spirit? When you're walking in the Spirit, your relationship with the Holy Spirit, right? You'll be submitted and surrendered to the will of God. It's amazing how much rebellion you see in the average independent Baptist church. Here's what Paul said. Look what he said. Go back to Romans chapter 12. The very first few chapters after he finishes speaking of walking in the Holy Spirit, he said in chapter 12, verse 1, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. You know what a spirit-filled Christian is? A willing Christian. A willingly obedient Christian. You know what you're not going to see in a spirit-filled Christian? Someone that refuses to obey the word of God. Someone walking in the spirit does not live a carnal Christian life. When you're walking in the spirit, you don't feel comfortable doing that. When you're walking in the spirit, holiness isn't forced on you. Holiness is a choice. You know, it's amazing. Here's, here's the sad thing. The Holy Spirit is very sensitive. So when he works, if you're going to increase your relationship with the Holy Spirit, you have to learn to respond to the Holy Spirit. You have to learn to respond to his voice. You've seen children before, and, hey, Johnny, come here. And he knows he doesn't have to. Johnny, I need you. Hey, Johnny, I'm busy. Give me a minute. I'll be down in 15. He's been taught not to respond. And he'll respond when he wants to respond, how he wants to respond, with the attitude he wants to respond with. That's the way the average Christian responds to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, hey, no, hey, I'm busy. I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to think about it. You know, when I'm ready, I'll make sure to do that. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to scream. I'm not going to be scandalous. I would just like for you to pay attention. And I'm convinced 
the most serious problem in Christianity in 2013 is there's an, an absolute ignorance when it comes to repentance and how to repent. And here's what we don't do. No one ever deals with sin. The, the new modern way of dealing with sin, just hide it. Pretend it doesn't exist. Ignore it. Deny it. Justify it. Even when confronted with sin, open, blatant, sin, disobedience to a Bible principle, disobedience to a Bible command, it's amazing how people won't ever admit it. It doesn't matter what verse. It doesn't matter who says it. It doesn't matter if they're confronted by a mom or a dad. It doesn't matter if they're 5 or 55. Rare is the case that someone says, I did wrong. Let me make it right. You cannot have a relationship with the Holy Spirit unless you are honest. And listen, this, this isn't a weekly or a monthly or a yearly thing. This isn't a New Year commitment that you say, this year, I'm, I'm no longer going to do those things. I, I'm going to give up the sin. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. I'm going to make my life better. I'm going to treat my wife better. I'm going to make sure to go so in this year. I'm not talking about a commitment. I'm talking about you're sitting there. The Holy Spirit speaks to you. You respond with a broken heart. You walk an aisle. You kneel down in your seat. You meet with God and you say, God, I did wrong and I want to make this right. And anyone else affected by my sin, I want to make it right with them. You would think that would be simple. You would think that would be common. But it's not. And because it's not, that hurts our relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's no way to make things clear with God without making them clear with others. And the Holy just, Spirit just gets a place. He doesn't speak any longer. Let me ask you this, Christian. How many times have you gotten to a place in your Christian life where the Holy Spirit just went quiet? Church loses its joy. Matter of fact, everything simply becomes obligation. There is nothing more beautiful in the Christian life. Listen, singing becomes fun. Marriage, life, rearing your children, class, everything is fun as long as that the Holy Spirit is actively working and empowering you. I've, I've heard people say, well, you know, he was serving God and he burned out. You know, I have a car out there with 159,000 miles on it. That's a lot of miles. You know why it still purrs like a kitten? Regular maintenance. Now, as soon as you let that thing run out of oil, that motor will seize up. And I don't care if it has 60,000 miles or 180,000 miles. You run it without oil, you will seize up the motor and experience burnout. And here's what we have in Christianity. People trying to run without the oil of the Holy Spirit. And your motor is going to seize up. And you may only have 20,000 miles on that car, but if you run that without oil, you will lock up that motor and experience a burnout. Why is it you can see someone like Brother Martin, these men serve for 40 years, 50 years. Why is it the Pastor Bob, Miss Simpson, and Miss Thompson, these people can teach and work and serve 35, 40 years and, and still be as energetic, more energetic today than they were when they first started because they kept that motor oiled and didn't experience burnout. And why is it you put kids in Bible college within two years are burned out? 
because they're trying to do it without the oil of the Holy Spirit, and that will burn you out. If you're trying to do the work of God without a relationship with God, you know, everything becomes fake. Look what it says in Romans chapter 6, verse 12. You know, the Bible does speak about not grieving the Spirit of God. Romans 6, verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lusts thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Now, here's a way to mess up your relationship with the Holy Spirit. When you begin to sin, you begin to yield yourself not to the Holy Spirit, but you begin to yield yourself once again, your members to unrighteousness. You, be, you begin to harden your conscience. The Holy Spirit cannot work. You begin to ignore the word. Now listen, these three work in perfect harmony. The conscience is developed through a knowledge of the word of God and the Holy Spirit deals through the conscience based on the knowledge of the word of God. So as you begin to dabble in sin... Distance yourself from the word of God, your conscience becomes hard and the Holy Spirit becomes less and less active. And now you can do things you never imagined yourself doing, saying things you never imagined yourself saying, thinking things you had never imagined yourself thinking, going to places you never imagined yourself going to. And I'll tell you every time the root problem is the same. It's a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And every day you've got to wake back up and renew that relationship because you know there was a point in your life when you were on fire and the Holy Spirit was active and things were good, but because you disregarded, you allowed yourself. And the longer you let it go, the colder you become. And the more you allow yourself to do, uh, and the problem is, as 1 Timothy 2 says, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, they can do things that others see as despicable, sinful, wicked, defiling, but now because your conscience is so seared, you can actually enjoy the very things that you once condemned. Are you walking in the Spirit? Can you walk into a movie theater, watch that movie with the Holy Spirit? Fornication is taking place. And the Holy Spirit is comfortable there? When you're walking in the Spirit, you're submitted to God. You're not wrestling with the things being preached. You're not wrestling with the commands found in this book. You're not wrestling with the Holy Spirit over everything he's trying to guide you into. Because we don't want the Holy Spirit active. We begin to live a very secret life. You know what secret life means? The elimination of all accountability. It means the elimination. Holy Spirit, I'm going to put you in a box. Okay? I have two lives. I have one life where you're allowed to move, speak, convict, but I have a private life over here and let's keep the two separate. Because I don't mind authority when I'm in this environment, but when I'm in my secret environment, I don't want any accountability. I want to be the authority. So Holy Spirit, if you just do me a favor, 
you can be as active as you want to Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and occasionally Friday morning. But kind of like our security system, you set the timer and you mechanically state when the door is open and when it's locked shut. You do that to the Holy Spirit. Say so from 8 30 to 10 30, it's fine. But on my way, as soon as I'm leaving the church parking lot, I want you to understand that's my time, that's my life, those are my decisions. And here's what's said that's reflected now in our children. Where the children think. You, you know what? The kids now have access to everything through iPods and iPads and internet and all these things that we didn't have that we can't control as an adult, but we're going to trust a 15-year-old with because they're so self-controlled. They have no hormonal imbalance, no problem with their sexual desires, no doubt that they'll keep a pure thought life even when given the access, the door to pornography. They won't take that path because I know they're fundamentally sound in principle and doctrine. You know what? You're going to raise a pervert because... You've not helped teach him. You need to maintain daily a personal walk with the Holy Spirit. That's every day. That means you wake up tomorrow and you can't rely on, yesterday had a great day. Great. But today you could have a very bad day. Let me guess. How many just wake up with a bad spirit? Okay, no, no one wants to admit to that. How many just naturally wake up with a good spirit? That's what I thought. You just wake up whistling Dixie? Oh, you're northerners. You, you have just fed your flesh for seven straight hours. You know what that bed does? It feeds the flesh. So you're, you're, it's when you wake up, you have a battle of moving from the flesh. How many understand that concept? The bed feeds the flesh. So now here's the natural tendency. You want to go straight from the flesh to the flesh. So you go straight from bed to the fridge. Right? And then you get in your vehicle and you keep feeding the flesh. You adjust the seat and turn on the AC or the heater so it's just the right temperature. You put on your music. You adjust everything. So all you've done since you got up was walk in the flesh. And then that's why while you're driving down the highway, you're saying things no Christians should say because you think that God doesn't hear through glass. And you get to work, and then you understand you're restrained because you don't want to be fired. So instead of saying it, you just think it. You get in the elevator, and all the way down, you're saying, you're not talking to yourself. You're talking to him. Yeah, you know what you've just done? You've just spent the last 12 hours walking in the flesh. At some point, you've got to put a stop to it. When you're walking in the Spirit, you know what you're doing? The Holy Spirit will change your whole thought process. You'll be thinking about a lost and dying world. You'll be thinking about their souls. You'll be thinking about God and His desires, submitting yourself to Him. You won't be saying, well, God doesn't prohibit that. You'll be saying, look what God uses me to do. Number three, look what it says in Romans chapter 15, verse 1. If you're walking in the Spirit... You'll live a very giving, sacrificial, selfless life. 
You know, these are things that the preacher won't have to hammer and preach on and harp on. It'll just happen. Look what it says, verse 1. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor. Let every one of us do what? For even Christ pleased not himself. Did you realize Paul said repeatedly, if, if you look at Paul's life, 2 Corinthians, he said, I'm willing to spend and be spent. That's the Holy Spirit. That's not natural. Your flesh is not sacrificial. How many understand that? How many understand you in your flesh, you're a very selfish person, and you say, what is mine is mine, what is yours should be mine, and what we're in conflict over, eventually you'll have to give me. That's human nature. How many even walked into marriage and you said, for better, for worse, for richer, for poor, I'll do anything for you because I love ye. <laughs> and then six months later you're saying, why don't you love me the way I need to be loved? Why didn't you pay attention to those books we read and the counsel we received and the things that are preached? Love me! <laughs> That's human nature that demands attention. And instead of wanting to give in our flesh, we want to receive. Right? Now, what happens when you're walking in the Spirit? The exact opposite happens. When you're walking in the Spirit, you start to become sacrificial and you can't understand it. No longer are you about someone meeting your needs, but you become a servant to the needs of others. Remember Judas in, in John 12 when Mary and Martha, Mary is anointing the feet of Christ and she breaks that very expensive spikenard and Judas, who knows nothing of the Spirit of God, he's not even born again, and he says, what kind of waste was that? You know what? Here's the worst thing about the flesh. The flesh not only is unwilling to sacrifice, the flesh will lie about what it does give. Acts 5, Ananias and Sapphira, what's the Bible say? They held back, they kept back part, said, oh, we're sacrificial. You do not believe what we give. You know, the average person doesn't, they're not even honest about what they give. How many people rob God and convince themselves, I'm a giver? Not even doing the bare minimum. Make a faith promise commitment. Don't keep it. Convince themselves, I'm a mission giver. You will not, you cannot steal the tithe and walk in the Spirit. You will not withhold your tithe in the Spirit. You'll do that in the flesh. You will not see the need of another person and refrain from giving to them or meeting that need in the Spirit. I've had people say, you know, I... I helped that person. I, I gave it to him. Maybe I should have done it without, you know, putting my name on it. I, I, I gave it to him and I met their need, but I think my motives were wrong. Do you think I did that in the spirit of the flesh? Listen, you don't give to meet a need in the flesh. Well, if I put my name on it, I let my right hand know what my left hand was doing. Your left hand is selfish. Your right hand is selfish. Your flesh would shut that down in a heartbeat. Your spirit said, do it, and you did it. That's the difference between the flesh and the spirit. Now, let me say the last thing. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. When you're walking in the spirit, you will be able to supernaturally suffer injustices with grace and Christ's likeness. But if you're not, how are you going to respond? When you're walking in the flesh, how do you respond to injustices? Just tell me about your response this week. 
chapter 12, verse 10. Be kindly affection one to another. With brotherly love, in honor preferring one another, verse 14, bless them which persecute you. Can you do this in your flesh? Is it possible to bless someone that is persecuting you and curse not? Is it possible to rejoice with them that rejoice in the flesh? Do you know this is a problem in Christianity? People walk in the flesh and they can't rejoice with them. That re we rejoice with them that weep and weep with them that rejoice. You got another new car? That was said in the spirit, right? Can't you rejoice? With them? Well, how many payments is that going to be? Why is it that we can't rejoice with them that rejoice and weep with them that weep? Be of the same mind one to another. Mind not high things. Condescend to men of low state. Be not wise in your own conceits. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Did you know if you're in the flesh, you will reward someone's evil with evil? How many of you ever done that as a Christian? Well, they did that to me, so now it's my turn to give them a Merry Christmas gift. That will not be done in the spirit, but in the flesh. Dearly beloved, verse 19, avenge not yourselves, rather give, uh, but rather give place to wrath, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, we can't even feed our friends. He said, feed your enemy. If he's thirsty, give him to drink. In so doing, here's how you seek vengeance. The best way to be vengeful is to heap fire of coals on their head by overcoming evil with good. You know what that coals of fire is? When they do you wrong, you do them right. You can't do that in the flesh. Any immediate reaction is always the wrong thing. You're supposed to act, not react. Reaction is based on the flesh, and action is based upon principle. Now, let me ask you, are you walking in the Spirit today? Were you walking in the Spirit when you said that? And you did that. Because here's what, we'll read the last verse and pray, Galatians chapter 5. Galatians 5, 16. This I say then, walk in the Spirit. You've got to make that determination anew tomorrow morning. Because today doesn't even count for tomorrow. Today was a good day. But you had great coffee. Wonderful creamer. Your children woke up happy and your mate was nice. There was very little traffic on I-35. And no one fussed at you at work. And you thought you were walking in the spirit. That was just what we call an easy day. Walking in the spirit means you wake up and someone else is grumpy and you respond correctly. And the kids are moving slow and your tongue is moving slower. That's walking in the spirit. And you sing them up and you whisk them out and you turn on the Bible CD and you sing a song. You say, this is an imaginary world. No, that's a spirit filled world. A fleshly life gets up. Go to the table. Get your books. You got your stuff. Hey, what are you doing? Get out to the car. Hey, I can't wait on you, son. 
Five minutes makes all the difference in the world in traffic. Please pay attention. When that alarm goes off, get your carcass out of bed. And then we get to answer all those questions when the kid comes to school because your six-year-old comes and says to his teacher, what is a carcass? And we know with that question that mama or daddy was walking in the flesh. The flesh lusteth against the spirit. The spirit lusteth against the flesh. These are contrary to one another. But if he be led of the spirit, you're not under law for the works of the flesh are manifest in these. Now listen, here's what happens. When you're walking in the flesh, it affects all your relationships. Now look what happens in your relationships right here. You're walking in the flesh, adultery, fornication, lasciviousness, hatred, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, envyings, murders, drunkenness. That's all the result of walking in the flesh. So if you are at ought, if you are angry, if you are envious, lascivious, that is all fleshly. How does that affect our relationships? Now, let me ask you this. You can tell if you're walking in the Spirit or not tonight by your relationships and what's happening in your friendships and relationships. The fruit of the Spirit, verse 22, is what? Here's how you can tell if you're walking in the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. How many of you have a maid or a boss? You're surrounded by people and they'd say, when I see that person, I just see love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness. As a Christian, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. He's supposed to be actively working, but that only happens if you make a choice tomorrow morning to wake up and say, Holy Spirit, you know what, today, I really want you to speak to me.